How will Ireland have beaten England on Saturday? What is Donico O'Callaghan's favourite time of year and what's going on in France with Stad and Racing? It's all coming up on The Hard Yards. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes, passionate about sport. With fantastic support, half of Ireland were here. The rest of them are hopefully smiling at home. <laughs> we had a bet earlier in the year, 20 euros, that if we won it, I wouldn't cry, but it's uh, the best 20 quid I'll ever spend. Yes, Eastlip, well, he picks it up quickly and off he goes. Drops it off the Hinshaw! Robbie Hinshaw scores it! Rugby history! Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first time! Hello and welcome to the Hard Yards, the Sports Show Rugby podcast. I'm Andy McGeady. Joining me on the line, as usual, is Dunico Callahan. Morning, sir. Hi, Andy. How are you? With me in studio is Sports Show Rugby reporter Pat McCarry. Hey, how's it going? And welcome to the current Racing 92 defence coach, Ronan O'Gara. Hi, Andy. How are you, Raj? Um, we'll go straight into it. Raj, uh, what's Dunico's favourite time of year? <laughs> Dunico's favourite time of year? Um, that's a good question. Um... I think actually it's between, I did a little bit of detective work on this, I think it's between March the 8th and March the 23rd, is it? Why is that? Because he, he for over 20 years, he kind of thinks he's three years older than me, between that period of time. So, at the minute, Dunica is 37, and he wants to remain like that. Roger, I'm always three years younger than me, you're a different generation <laughs> from me, I don't understand the stuff you would be doing. So... Uh, to give a bit of background, Donica and myself, I would say, shared a room with Ireland for, for 10 years. Um, so um, he's the guy that probably um, would know the most about me because there's the, I suppose, the team environment and then there's the bedroom environment and the fact that <laughs> that's where the real people are seen and the real... Um, stories come out because I, I, the life as a professional rugby player is fascinating and the fact that basically Dunnock and myself would have been a couple for, for 10 years in terms of, you know what I mean, you room with each other even for home games so you spend Monday to Saturday um, with this person so it's it's a, obviously a sport of uh, emotional extremes and um, I d- don't think I could have picked a probably more suitable rock in terms of a, of a teammate and um, it was uh, it was such a great experience that's well, that's back, really touching but I want to ask Donica what are Roger's point. bad habits go on Donica sorry uh, no he's right I used to love there's two weeks here where I could absolutely <laughs> rip him to bits that I'd more in common with Fergal his younger brother because he's just not our generation he doesn't know what's going on in our lives so <laughs> Um, I used to um, take advantage of it. The only thing I probably miss was um, at this time of the year is remember Raj Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. So. Um, <laughs> He used to make for interesting times up in the Kalani Castle, but he's right. We were roomies, and it, it makes a kind of special brand. We were friends anyway, but you kind of uh, you, you you get an unbelievable insight into guys, and you know when they're hurting, and um, you know the pressures that probably family don't even know. And everyone looks in at the Irish squad, and it's mad. I said to you about seeing the Welsh lads the other day. Everyone wants to be there, but no one wants to really make the sacrifices that you have to go through, and. When you see, um, you 
think you learn more from guys from bad days than good and I've had a lot of bad days with Rog so uh, it's been uh, something that you you'd value really highly that type of friendship so um, yeah without trying to get too corny yeah, it's good to have a roommate like him good to, even better for good, have a good mate like him yeah one that allows you to watch Murder She Wrote well it's important you know stuff like Murder She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day you can watch the start fall off for 40 minutes come back see the end perfect you know what I mean you've missed nothing really was there ever Dunica, like uh, I suppose you talked about or in Raj talked about being like, a couple like was there ever a time you had a big falling out and kind of awkward kind of couple of days oh yeah we've had falling out the whole time that was why it why it's good you know it, like I'll be honest there's small things you could fall out over the wash bag and we've gone through stuff like that but I'll never forget there was there was times in in Munster where I, I'll, I'll never forget I was I wasn't on time for one of our conditioning stuff and Rod ripped me one and coming from him rather than any other coach or any management, it killed me. Like, and I, I swear, I was never late for a monster session again because, like, I left him and the teammates down. So, but instead of, uh, and I've seen it in other environments where people would go behind your back and say different things about you, he walked straight over and gave it to me between the eyes. And well, like Donica, you know, I'm, not, I'm not angry. I'm just really disappointed. Yeah, I wish it was that way, but no, it's because he demands more from you. He sets higher standards for you than you probably could set for yourself, and he wants you to reach beyond yourself. And we were lucky that, you know, not only Rogers like that, but we we had a team full of guys like that, which is great. And I'll be honest, I suppose maybe Rogers see it a bit too. It isn't until you go into other environments you realise what you have in Munster and Irish dressing rooms is really, really special. What was the Rod? What was the um, the washback thing? This is an unbelievably sore subject. Basically, for ten years, we used one toilet bag, my toilet bag. So Between two I had good cosmetics, and Donica was I used for every basically Christmas or birthday. There was new aftershave added, and <laughs> Donica will tell this better. Like it basically got to the stage where everything was everything was a free for all bar the toothbrush <laughs> so like you know what I mean in terms of even having um, having a shave you could be coming back to see a new blade being used and you're like ah Dunners come on but he um, yeah he helped himself like no other man that's for certain anyway Don't this is scandalous stuff all true um, it was my it, the best time of the year I remember actually you packed the bags or you'd have your boots whatever your, your number ones and you kind of look at the wash bag and you say alright maximum the toothbrush is all I need so I'm in with Raj I'll have the best of Lockatang Vera Wang the fella he had the best of gear so I used to just make hay during that time that wasn't, that wasn't just cosmetics either I think I went down in your estimation one day remember for the rule where every player had to bring their own water bottle and we had a bleep, t- a bleep <laughs> test, and we. <laughs> Come on, I let oh you, you, you tell it. You're better at telling. No, you, 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 you're there. So one day we're doing fitness, and everyone has their own water bottle. So it's a bottle of Ballygone or Tipperary, whatever lads can grab, you know. And there's our boy with a, 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 a glass bottle, or sorry, yeah, a glass bottle of San Pellegrino up the top like something you get in the finest restaurant in Cork, I was like, there's the difference with Raj like, you know what I mean <laughs> no, most expensive I, sparking I, water I, you can come across 
Jeez, my Leinster lads at the time were getting ripped for being the cappuccino oh, cowboys, yeah? I absolutely enjoyed it. It was like, basically, if I didn't... There was obviously one on the floor in my car. Obviously. And the rule was that you had to attend a session with the bottle and this was um, I wasn't prepared and I was scrambling so I just said no for a bit of a giggle here I'll bring this in <laughs> and the lads were like oh my god what is he doing <laughs> so after that it was like well he has a sense of humour but he's not that serious after all is he <laughs> like all things like that it does tend to backfire though there's no like conditioning in those days was, was, it's probably tougher than it is now because there was, it, there was no measurement to it it was exactly. it was a fitness course basically kind of seeing how tough guys were mentally and really pushing them to the edge you know without gps or without all the science that's around it now so um you know if you look back at some of those sessions Raj, we'd never do sessions like that anymore so g- g- give uh, me an example what, uh, what's something would you do regularly then that just would be laughed out of the gate now 10 400s around yeah. the track but even the fitness test in itself was a three a 3k run or a 1k run you just it, there's no rugby player anymore would run 3k unfortunately I'd love it but it's just not a it's not a test <laughs> yeah everything I was it's so scientific in yeah. terms of the heart monitor the GPS so basically everyone is individually monitored live yeah that's the way the game has gone so you have a look to see does this guy need a top up does he need to be caught is he about to explode mm. and um but does fitness mean different things per position, for example, now, whereas yeah. back then it was one test for everybody? Uh, to be fair, back then it wasn't one test for everyone, but it was a more general test adapted. Now it could be complete different programmes. Okay, okay. Would they still put you through the ringer? Like you'd still put lads through the ringer to test them mentally. Would you still do that maybe even in pre-season? Um, well, we had a pre-season of four days with a game on the fifth day this year. <laughs> so... Like that gives you the example. Push them hard on the Tuesday. From when I came from protected twelve weeks, the best of everything in an Irish monster setup, mm. and now you go to another club that has has its own ambitions of doing well. That were French champions but because of the program, the ta- calendar. This is what you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite incredible in terms of the different preparation required for for essentially the same players with the same ambitions. So it's mm. it's. Um, French rugby is different. We've heard stories about that before, but um, we'll move on to hopefully, hopefully happier things. So, <clears throat> how I'm going to frame this is very straightforward. It's Saturday evening. We have beaten England. How has that happened? What has gone well for Ireland to have beaten this English team? And Rod, from your point of view as a defence coach, we're playing a team that shredded Scotland. How do you set up Ireland to face that? Yeah, I think I was confident all along of of home game victories. I I don't think people appreciate how difficult it is to win away from home in the Six Nations. I think playing at home, it's an opportunity to show what it means to you, your family, your country, all these, I suppose, general points. But I think as a player, it's driven into you that you have to perform at home. And I'm not saying there's a mental out, opt out when you go away from home, but it is, I people still understand that it's the same players 15 against 15 but it's not really 15 against 15 it's 15 plus 50,000 I think the power of the supporter should never be underestimated especially for our country I think that's what separates us I think there's an incredible bond between players and uh, supporters that I suppose the human mind is never I suppose ceases to amaze me in terms of what you can get out of it 
I don't think any of us know the potential that is there when you are pushed you just have to keep digging to get more mm. and I think that's one of my biggest learnings in the teams I've been perfor- are performing in and it if there's one weekend that comes out, it's Ireland England at home. Mm. And you're playing, and they're playing England, who are a team that look to have yeah, cracked to, the to mind. Go thing. back to your yeah to your, your point. I think um, it's a different England team. Mm. Their mental brittleness is gone. They are so performing, as you said. Uh, I, w- I watched and analysed the game against Scotland. They could have finished easily 82-21, like they left definitely three of six scoring opportunities in the second half. Uh, out there, uh, and and I think you should just probably maybe reflect on that for a second. Eighty-two points or sixty-two mm. points is is a mammoth score, and um, but it's the one ground in the world where you can uh, be easily, I think, eaten up. Twickenham. It's it's different to playing in New Zealand in the fact that when England get their chests out at home, they're a really formidable team because they just kind of become in, um, in harmony with the um, with the English supporters and they just they play and they steamroll you um, that was my experience I remember once I was captain I think and we went 10-0 up I was there this is going to be a great day I think the score it was the one I think the day uh, Nulo so Cipriani got man of the match it was 30-8-10 maybe and he had a cracking game but it was obviously hard to take when you're the captain and and he's in I suppose your direct opponent. Yeah. Was it the, the Paddy Day game? Was that the one? The, um, where the scrum kind of had its issues? Was that? No, I think it could have been a couple of years before that. Um, if I yeah, I think so. Yeah, but Cipriani r- running the show then. Yeah. And oh yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, so it's um, I think. Um, I think you have to admire, respect and uh, give England huge credit. Mm. I think, you know, I mean, we don't like to say it because we're Ireland, but like what England have done, imagine if we were in that situation. Mm. That is such consistent performing. It is. Well, well, that's it. I mean, These players have forgotten how to lose. They've forgotten the World Cup 2015. Yeah. And th- and that's when this run started. Like it started when they beat Uruguay in that last game, which didn't mean anything. But they haven't lost since then. But but your your point about home and away is interesting because we we did see England rattled um, for a long time against Wales. And like Dunica is is that something that Ireland can take heart from? That a team that comes out to really upset England uh, can actually make hay for at least a while because it took a brilliant piece of finishing at the end of that game for England to to beat Wales. Yeah, but Scotland came out with the same mentality. You know, it's it, it's really hard to judge. I think Rogers given you unbelievable insight into the English psyche and what they actually think, and it's so true. I see it from being over there. It's they've grown a foot in confidence, and when they have their chest out, they're I'll be honest, lads, they're unbearable. They, they, they call it arrogance, call it what you want, but just people you know that you meet. We had a sponsor's lunch on Tuesday. And just English supporters that follow their team now have totally swung the other way that they're an incredible team again. And I think that's something that Rog was saying about about Twickenham. When they feel like that, they actually think they're unbeatable. And um, I've said it before, that's what Eddie Jones has created. Uh, I know from chatting to Ben Teo, and I've said it to you before, he walked into that room after the World Cup and he said, we're going to become the greatest team in the world. And... 
guys were laughing nearly at him, you know, behind his back. But he has set the vision, he has set the standards. I know they're reaching for them, and uh, I think they're really dangerous when they're like that. Like Raj, I honestly, Raj, just from chatting to Benny this week, they're coming with that 2003 mentality of its unfinished business. They need to get this result, and I know we want to stop them, but. Um, as Ronan was saying, just the, the the psyche of actually doing something historical, the the, the mental edge. I I I worry that their drive to achieve this goal that they've set out from so long can be greater than ours to stop them. And uh, you know, it, it's amazing when you chat about it. I read something about Arsene Wenger saying all players are fit now. The margin of error is no longer in in fitness and speed and conditioning. It's in it's in the mental game and it's it's funny I think it's creep you know I think rugby's getting to that stage as well where all international teams are fit and ready to go and I think you know it, it's who's able to kind of mentally uh, get their team ready and uh, to be fair to him he's done an incredible job in that Eddie Jones I mm-hmm. think the, the way we'll beat them for me is I think we need to be better on scoreboard pre- scoreboard pressure and I'd be interested in Roger's take on it. I think there's sometimes we have booted the ball to the corner where we should be knocking over points. Um, you know, when you don't score from things like that, it's a massive momentum swing. You heard Joe Schmidt in in his interview as well. I'd love us to go 3-6-9 and then to maybe try to play a bit more. I think we're trying to win the game too early in it, but I'd be interested in Roger's take on it. Yeah, I think... <coughs> I agree, most definitely. I, the interesting thing that you say, because you're over there and you cannot beat that, and that's you're on the ground, so you have the feel for it. I think knowing the characters in the Irish dressing room, it'll be a, a sad day if England out-desire us in, in the Aviva. I could not accept or believe that for one minute when I look at fellas like, um, you know what I mean, best... Um, Dunnaker Ryan Sean O'Brien I think Sean O'Brien is a gem I think this is what he stands for this game at the weekend I think he'll what is my field kind of thing yeah he has serious um, he has great values yeah I think um, do you need that in a team like you know some a core something core that everyone clings to exactly of course you do but it can't be two or three you need that you know what I mean minimum six or seven and I think that's lucky I can only speak from my experiences when when I was on teams with Dunnick we like we had that in abundance because um, you know I mean how many times does a fella like Dennis Leamy get a mention nowadays but like Dennis Leamy was was a monster Mm. and uh, Dennis might speak once every three months but what he spoke would last for three months if you understand me yeah and and that's really important that um I mean a communication is sometimes people forget about the listening aspect mm. so Dennis absorbed 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 drove 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 and then analyzed everyone assessed everyone and kind of just gave his opinion and and it, everyone was like, "Oh my God, speak more often! This guy is brilliant." Yeah. Um, and you have to have that in the Irish team, current team, because I know a few of them because I play with them. But I think, you know, what I mean, that comes naturally to Peter Romani. It comes naturally to to Dunnick Ryan. It comes naturally to uh, Keith Earls. You know, I mean, people probably think Keith Earls is a winger and he's out there and he's looking to score a try. But like, he, this guy is so driven. Mm. 
What about some of the non-monster? Uh, yeah, well, I but the fellas, I know Rob Carney, for example, yeah. um, is a great professional. And I think there's a reason, I think Rob made his debut in, what, 2005 and is playing in 2017. But people are happy to knock him and say there's someone else his time it's not anyone else's time you're going to have to rob the jersey off him stay, rip it off him he's not going to give that up hmm. every chance he's getting like there's no one highlighting the fact that he won you know what I mean four 50-50 balls the last day in Cardiff in the yeah. air he's doing the best he can obviously he's a bit limited I think and because his his back is is uh, is playing up on him a, a bit but I think um, I just think this is the weekend where as a sportsman um, you you get measured, and I don't think um, Irish players have been found wanting. I I could not stress enough to you how how important this game is for rugby players because, as we spoke about, I think they're very approachable. They're very much in the public eye. There's a massive attachment factor to the public, but like the players f- realize. Um, that they're responsible for the mood of a nation for a whole weekend on Monday morning mm. because it's England. It's no other game that get the juices flowing like this weekend. This is this is game time. Yeah, there's there's an interesting point there because you said well, what happens? You'd be very disappointed if an if an English team came over and kind of out desired Ireland. You've got a couple of characters in that team, you know, an Owen Farrell and Dylan Hartley who have been shown to be a little bit combustible in the past. Um, I suppose, Dunica, do, do you think that do you think that we've gone past the days where you might send out let's say one of the back rows to, to niggle them just to see what would happen um, No what Rod said is, that's in you know like I, I, I totally agree I think this weekend is a character test it's what you're made up of but like Scotland I, 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 I think there's learning from the Scottish game Scotland went out way too emotional they hated England they went out and tried to knock six lumps out of them that's not going to do it I think there's massive onuses on the coach this weekend on Joe and Simon and Greg Feek and Andy Farrell to have game plan and, and the lads on note because the, the emotional drive will come there Rog went through the characters you know what they're made up of you know what it means to guys like Shawnee and, and Dunica to go out and represent Ireland versus England so that's not in question but if that tips over the edge and we play emotionally we're, we, it won't get the job done they're, they're a quality team the saving grace for me is I think we're better players I think you, you know you look at Dunbar and Jones in the centre there for some of the English scores our centres would never would be absolutely ashamed if they defended like that for some of their strike plays. But I, I think there's a massive onus on the coach, uh, sorry, the coaches, to have the game plan intact and, and ready for this weekend. This is the one where you would have seen how you have, you know, you've you've four games before it or five games, whatever it is, to see how well they're preparing coming into it. You know all their plays. You might know, you might be able to hear a certain amount of line-out calls, uh, stuff like that. So I think it's a, it, there's a big onus on, on the coaches. As for guys like Farrell and Hartley, they love big occasions. Like, look at the Toji last week. He was laughing at some of the Scottish guys. So I think we have to beat them for being better players. I think that's when you rub guys' noses in it, when you when you don't even give Hartley or, or Farrell the time of day, when you're too busy on your job that you can't even include them in the game, you know? Then when you're running past them for scores 
and you're 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 so driven to get another one. So um, I you know there, there was days where, like I played with Johnny O'Connor and I remember there was a call for Mad Dog. Roger will remember where he just took flyers at guys and for certain players that's a, it's a good tactic. But I think um, the the balance of our back row would be a waste and how our team has progressed it would be a waste to to worry about anyone else by ourselves. Yeah, I think just to go back on, on we're talking about how, how you would beat them and stuff like I think Dunica's got it right there I think the the scoreboard pressure is a thing that Ireland really haven't done too too great in this championship maybe bar the, the France game just take the penalties and, and I'd actually be amazed even though the crowd might be backing them when they get a penalty to go for the corners I'd be amazed if they do take those attacking lineouts, even though the temptation might be there like because you know the line out is something that's even though it's been a great strength of ours it's been targeted as a weakness as well so I would just hope that if we get these penalties we just kind of build up the pressure that way and, and then another thing is I suppose it's like it's about this back row and this back row has been kind of vaunted as kind of world class as well but yet again Wales kind of showed them up again and out scrapped them so I kind of think maybe this is, might be a game where Heaslip just dives back into the trenches and you don't see much of him carrying and you just see O'Brien just let off the leash a little bit more and if that happens I think we have a great chance and and then it's again with kind of Schmidt and, and Dunica talked about it there in the last uh, podcast of backing these guys and, and just how much that will kind of mean to these guys that pretty much send out the same set of troops again to kind of you know play this game against the English In terms of the, the tactical side of that then it might be silly to ask a kicker would you prefer to take the points or go to the corner but we have seen a change. Uh, Leinster do it more, Ireland do it more, and going early to the corner to try and build that pressure. Is that something that they need to rethink now? Um, it's an interesting question, and I think the only um, answer I can give you, I think every situation is different, because I think there's definitely um, a feel aspect to that. Mm. There was teams, and this has gone back a long time, but that tactic has always been there, Andy. I think you've got to have a feel for it there's a certain time that you kind of just have to trust your instinct about going to the corner if you have any hesitation in going you shouldn't go to the corner you'll get I think the people to make that call are probably um, you know what I mean the props and, and second row because I think they are the only four people that are really uh, you, you should respect their opinion in terms of uh, have they the capacity to drive them over yeah because you know you're yeah. telling Porky's now. Hold on a second. <laughs> this is complete. <laughs> I, I'm con because I played with. We played since like an eighteen, nineteen, and what I used to love is that t- when you used to come up, Raj, take the ball and say, "I'm knocking it over the bar." You wouldn't even ask Drico, Paulie, yeah. Rory, did, did, whoever. Did Raj ever ask a prop? Could he take that kick? He, he, no, not that. that. Sorry, I didn't maybe express that very well. I'm saying that. From my point of view, as a kicker, no problem. But yeah. there are times where seven is better than three. But I'd say the the ratio would be ten percent. Yeah, well, I think you're right because it depends where that kick is. Because you know, there's I've looked at this before. Um, there was uh, data came out of New Zealand looking at Test rugby over ten years or whatever. And when you actually put all those thousands of kicks together, you can see. The, the green line around and it's about between 35 and 40 metres and outside that as in crow flies to the, to the posts outside that your success rate plummets unless you're a free click Ranstein it plummets so outside that your equation changes and that's where you're going for is it 10% or is it 20% or is it 50% you know yeah well I suppose if the kick is around the 22 then the change, you should be changes kicking, your equation you should be kicking the ball yeah over the bar yeah every I, time I feel uh 
Well, see, I don't think you can say every time because what moment of the game it is, how tired are the opposition? If yeah. it's at the start of the game, I, I don't think the opposition it, pack is there a bit are, of the captain? Broken. Is there a bit of the captain looking at the opposing captain's eyes and sort of saying... No, I wouldn't think so. I would no. say it's... Um, I think there's two people that matter, the captain and the kicker. And in, this, in most situations, I, you need the kicker to be dominant. Hmm. OK. Yeah, and I suppose that's the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes... There, Roger. I remember it. we were blowing at times. Forwards were really tired. I, I remember it's so many games where you wouldn't even give us a look. It would, it would. You'd rifle it into the corner, and I, I, I never forget. Just get at it, you know. And I, as a forward, took massive confidence that you knew we were just about to break them. So, I, like I was there. He's our eyes. He's our playmaker. He sees that we have him on the rack here. That's why he's put it in the corner whereas other times there's times as a forward I would have felt right let's have a go and I'd see you pointing at the post so I think you know we saw with Alan Wynne jones and Lee Halfpenny it's an awful position to put a captain in to ask you know his goal kickers I think not only does a 10 got a fancy or, or your goal kicker got a fancy his chances at knocking over the kick but he has to have a feel for the game as well of you know, when he should do it. And I think maybe that is a combination between that leadership group that could be a little bit stronger for me. I think I'd love it. I loved it the way it was when when you used to boss it. And I, I question, is that there at the moment? So there's one little extra wrinkle now for this weekend. So yes, you know, Ireland cannot win the Six Nations. England are going for the Grand Slam. They are going for the, the world record number of wins by a tier one nation. Um, but if Wales win on Saturday afternoon and Ireland lose, that puts Wales into the top four seeds for the World Cup draw, which happens in May. There are no more tests between now and then and Ireland would drop out. Um, how big of an impact would that be if you were an Irish player looking ahead two years? Yeah, it's massive consequences and I wonder is that information out there? Is it information that um, the boys in Carton House need to know? That, well that was my follow up question is that sort of thing could, that you, you need to keep away from the players so look, that'll look after itself I you go out and win yeah most definitely but there's no harm in knowing the consequences either hmm. I know that may rattle a few people but when it's put to you like that it kind of even hearing it now it sends a kind of a shudder down your spine you're like because it's not too big an ask in terms of if England keep their momentum yeah. Wales with their confidence back could easily beat France yeah. so you're not it's not too improbable no so it, it's, it, it's it, in the where did how did this how did we get here question you know I, I actually did mention that to Dunica Ryan at the end of the, the Wales game and it yeah. did seem like it was an actual surprise to him that the, the rankings were for grabs and I suppose maybe you guys might know more as players that it is week to week like he was kind of saying that okay that might be something the coaches might tell us in the lead up to the game but it is week to week focus sometimes is it uh, completely and uh, if you were a player you, I don't think you'd be aware of that because your mindset is very different now mm. on the outside these are all the things that we calculate because unfortunately we don't have any match to play so this is what we get our buzz out of <laughs> working on permutations yeah, this is McGeady gets his notepad out <laughs> yeah. I think um, but it, it's, it, it has big big consequences mm. uh, but I think I think this weekend is an opportunity for, for Ireland it's not to stop England it's about Ireland yeah. and I think that will be really important I think I think that's it's a it's a very different mindset and message mm. among 
among the players I think it's an opportunity for Ireland to show this is what we represent this is what we do well quick prediction um no I'm I'm sticking what I what I said at the outset I think I think Ireland at home win Donica yeah I'm I, I'm I'm a Raj I can never go against my heart on calls like this I actually think it's going to be tough I, I, like I said to you I think it's 2003 they're coming over to make history but I think Raj nailed it there if we go out and worry about ourselves only if we don't get tied up in this emotional rubbish that won't get us anything out of it and we go out and perform we'll win Right, quick break and when we come back we'll talk about the situation at Rassing and Stad in Paris The Hard Yards on Sports Joe backed by Ladbrokes We're back and there is an interesting situation going on this week in French rugby where there, it was announced that the two famous old French clubs Stade Francais and Rassing 92 are to merge from next season um, Raj it must be an interesting situation at a human level to be involved with um, Yeah it was Monday was um, broken in a, in a meeting for all the racing um, players, staff, and administration staff, and Jackie Lorenzetti's mm. um, business staff. Uh, so it was up on a PowerPoint, and the presentation was unveiled in front of our eyes. And there was, I think, um, different reactions because you have people from all over the world um, forming to create a club, and yeah. these are the present representatives of the club. Um, trying to do our best so it was um, it was greeted with um, I suppose mixed reaction because um, you have some fellas like Henri Chavancy who's played at Racing since he's been six years of age it's his club he was formed there it means everything he was with the French camp so he wasn't there for the presentation um, I don't know what his reaction would be I presume it would be um, a negative reaction because it's his club he doesn't want anything happening to his club and and um, that news yeah it was it was a surreal Monday I suppose from the time you um, you know what I mean anything you would have thought about going into work that day was obviously um, disappointing after um, the Grenoble match but um, to go in and um, find out this is happening was um was just, I suppose, um, another strange day and a very strange season. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be very little that's certain right now. You've got the two, the two Laurents seem to be done yeah. and dusted as the coaching ticket exactly. for next season. There's um, a Stade Francais, Pierre Arnold is the manager, yeah. and um, they have uh, that seems to be the shell. Yeah, uh, and where everyone else is, no one knows. Yeah, it's building up to be a bit of a Hunger Games, you know. Yeah, the there has been. Um, I suppose a lot of um, outcry over the, I suppose the whatever the disappearance of Stade Francais. Mm. People are, are the players from Stade Francais are, are due to go on strike. I believe at um, the at the time of recording, they are still striking. The union is involved. The players' union has said, according to the French media, that there is no uh, acceptable alternative than for the merger to not happen. So we've seen there, there are battle lines being drawn in France, which is um, a delicate situation when people are looking forward to where their income might be coming from next year. Yeah, well, I think that's obviously uh, it's a very sensitive subject in terms of the people involved. Mm. Uh, but also it's, it's 
the timing couldn't be worse than the fact from our own point of view we're seventh in the table you have to get into the top six we have a crucial game against Montpellier and the Montpellier match hasn't been mentioned yeah. coupled with the fact that I suppose one um, week in, in every month I go to Marcosi which is the French Federation Centre for the first team to do coaching badges I've been there this week so I've been um, out of the loop so it's basically it's kind of business as usual yet um, it's not business as usual if you if you can understand me no one really knows what's happening yeah concentrate on what's ahead of you but you don't know what's around the next corner absolutely yeah Donica, um what from your perspective uh, how, how does it seem to you from the outside looking in well it was, it was crazy it's mad how something like that um, affects the whole market so it, like it's a crazy thing to say but I knew after we, we finished training we were doing conditioning games and he came into the, our facility. You could see Jan, our recruitment guy, going at ballistic. He was running around the place like like his hair was on fire. To quote Eddie O'Sullivan, but just the market now has been um, thrown open. If there was forty five players to come back and of top quality, as there is with these teams, into the market at this stage. Um, you see how it affects other guys in the dressing room. So some of my teammates are looking for clubs. They've, they've had French options. Roger, tell you more now that there is greater incentive for French clubs to keep French players. So obviously they would be top of the pecking order and would kazump any player that's looking at, you know, that maybe have might have the start of heads of agreements uh, done with, with certain clubs so it, not only does it affect uh, the two teams involved but it is it has really kind of uh, set a big shake around the, the whole rugby recruitment market as well because if there was 45 top quality players to come available from from uh, this situation it, it, it really does affect an awful lot of guys that's an interesting point. So um, Gavin Mortimer wrote an interesting piece on the situation of Rugby World and he mentioned this point and he was saying that you can have no more than 16 players uh, ineligible for France in the squad. So obviously you've got, uh, I think, 24 or 25 of those when you combine the two squads right now. So <laughs> that's a whole lot of agents calls right there. Yeah, Dunnick is yeah, right. We, like, I'll give you a perfect example. We four guys lined up with French clubs and they were all put on ice this week, you know, since Monday, so... Yeah, that that's not good. Well, it's not good for them. They're no. dependents and families, so, you know, like, they might come get across the line, but right now, you know, in, in a funny year, like, Raj, you might have seen it better, you, you see the recruitment side better than me, but it's been an odd year recruitment-wise. But it's... Um, what do you mean by an odd year? Do you mean like apart from this situation, it's just felt felt odd? Yeah, well, you look at the amount of top end players that aren't, aren't fully signed up for next year. It's uh, you, you chat to any of the agents. It's 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 an odd odd year. I I, I don't know. Roger might have some insight on it, but it doesn't feel like uh, players are being signed up as quickly as possible. Maybe countries are looking like France to improve their league by having more French players in it. I know the English market has been slow. I think, you know, maybe it's to leave the market, get to a point where you have players so desperate they'll nearly sign for anything. So just from knowing and chatting to guys that are out of contract at the moment, they're they're finding it difficult. Now, I, I know I'm in a u- unique situation where our guys probably haven't got, the, you know, the aces up their sleeves with performance that they would have liked, but... 
I, I know from chatting to a few agents that that's the case across the whole market. Well, one player at the moment who has secured his move is um, Ian Madigan. So out half, leaving the uh, French top four team to go and join Bristol, who right now look as if they're um, going down. Uh, what do you think of that move for, for Madigan? Um, it's it's an interesting move, I think. Um, for me, I think it has um, similarities with Pat Lamb in terms of why Pat Lamb moved. I think Madigan is going to be one of the best, best players best paid players in the world which um, it's a short career completely I think the, the big news for me was Ian Madigan moving to Bordeaux once he had made that decision you're you're differing, uh, you're, you're dealing with a different set of circumstances because he has become a professional rugby player I mm. think when you leave the Irish model especially in his situation you understand the consequences so what is Ian Madigan doing Ian Madigan is looking after himself he needs to do that he has been offered an incredible deal to go to Bristol as the I suppose the the playmaker to ensure Bristol um, get to where they want to get with that he's been financially rewarded really well and when Ian Madigan is 33 years of age no one will care about Ian Madigan it's the same that happens to everyone but I think he's smart enough to realise that he's played for Ireland he's had a great career as an impact sub for Ireland Johnny was in his way in Leinster he's not going to take his place He's made the decision to look after Ian Madigan and I can completely understand that because I'm over there. What you need to be careful about is that, um, not careful about, but I think there's nothing better than playing for your home province or Ireland. But unfortunately, you can have probably about 20 in each province doing that. And it's such a massive passion and it should never be underestimated. I think uh, your reputation when you succeed at that I think you get a different respect from people but Ian Madigan has decided to do this and I can completely understand what he's doing I, I, you know what I mean I think when you hear what Pat Lamb is doing you kind of say it to him fair play mm. you know because you saw um, he's done it once at Connacht can he do it again no sorry I, I'm talking about his honesty and how in the message he delivered to people what happened with uh, poor old Axel and Pat Lamb has said that he's been fired he's had a um, not a tough existence but financially I'd say not the best paid jobs and now because of his perseverance because of his commitment because of his vision he's been more rewarded with a great job which will secure his financial security for him and his family he said that and I admire that Lamb smoked extremely emotionally I remember the interview you were talking about yeah, just saying look I have this chance now to set everything up so if I pass tomorrow, exactly, everything's okay. And and that's beautiful, I think, because uh, anyone that me and Dunnick uh, and I think we see things differently now after what happened, to Axel. I think it is very different, and I think Pat Lamb is too because he's in Connacht and the so-called uh, big brother is in Munster as a coach, and that's not being disrespectful to Connacht, but I think that's Munster is a bigger province in the fact of what it's achieved. He's seen what has happened there it might be completely unrelated to sport but it was an example for him to go my family is very important to me I need to do what's best for my family he has done wonders with Connacht and I think he deserved everything he got in terms of the deal Bristol proposed to him and you couldn't but just tip your hat to him Donica um, have things changed for you since Axel passed? Oh, yeah of course like all of us you're like um 
But in, in, but in, ter- in terms of the way you might approach this side of life? Yeah, you, you definitely see that, I'll be honest, I, I it held that group to a higher level than I'd ever thought before. I think you're lucky to play with players and you call them your teammates. That group are uh, like it's mad and it's cringy thing to say, but a band of brothers, like it just being around each other at that time, just as uh, Rod spoke, guys like Leams that, you know, and I'm bad with it, keeping a contact with guys, but as soon as you meet, there's that special bond. And he was the leader of that. Like I said it before about Axel, he, he left us, he, he motivated us to, and, and myself in particular to play beyond myself. I, he just saw something or he could strike a chord in a speech or a chat before a match or the levels that he expected from you to play better than you for me anyway to play better than I actually am and I'm massively thankful for that but there's a group of us like that that see it and you know I've heard Rod say it before and you know we lost a teammate a friend a brother but there was you know there's you know two little boys that lost their dad and that dad as a, as a father that's it kicks in more so than anything. You look at, you know, Tony and 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 Danny. There, they've lost their dad. You look at his whole family. have lost their son, their husband. That that's the bit that matters. And you know, for me, and I know Raj would agree. Those boys need to know that their dad was Superman. He he led by example. His character, his values were through the roof, and he brought guys with him. And he's a special, special man. Okay. On that note, we will come back um, with a look ahead to a happier time, a festival of rugby in Dublin for Patrick's Day weekend. The Hard Yards on Sports Joe, backed by Ladbrokes. Okay, so if you are in Dublin over Patrick's Day weekend, there is a lot of rugby on. Let's go through the schedule. There is 6pm in the RDS. There's the Ireland Legends and the England Legends. There's 6pm in Donnybrook. The Ireland under-20s play England under-20s. At 8pm in Donnybrook, Ireland women's team play the England women both teams going for the Grand Slam. Uh, that's a better situation than the men's team find themselves in. So if you can get a ticket, be at the Viva Stadium on 5pm 5, 5 on Saturday. Uh, the Ireland legends and England legends could be a bit of crack, lads. Yeah, there were, there was, I think Shane Byrne was saying there that um, England have kind of had Ireland's number in, in recent competitions. So, um, uh, there, you know, there is that kind of emotional element there to it today. And, and there's a lot of lads who've actually recently retired um, like Roger's even saying there, they don't. He doesn't think they'll be able to hold Stephen Ferris back, and you have lads like Darcy as well, who's uh, who's looking to feature as well. So hopefully, maybe these this new influx of blood is a bit of makes a bit of a difference. Well, as I say, if you can make to uh, six pm to the RDS, then eight pm to Donnybrook, and then find out where the legends are going afterwards, that might be a good Paddy's Day night in Dublin. Um, I think we will wrap it there. Uh, thank you very much to Pat McCarry. Cheers. Thanks to Donica for dialing in. Thank you, Ron O'Gara. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Joe Harrington is our producer Shane Dempsey is on sound get in touch by tweeting any of us or at sportsjoe.ie and subscribe to the show on iTunes Stitcher Soundcloud or through your favourite podcasting app this has been The Hard Yards I am Andy McGeady we will talk to you next week The Hard Yards brought to you by Ladbrokes passionate about sport 